0: It is podcast time. Chris, Chris, how are we doing after another wild weekend of football, both college and pro?
1: I'm doing well. Life is busy. Life is churning along. Life stops for nothing. And I'm glad that football could be a part of it. Hey, we actually went into a football game together this past weekend.
0: We did, although I'm not sure if I would call it a game because Towson got absolutely smacked by North Dakota State um as we were kind of discussing i was happy to take as many silver linings from that game as possible and i take the fact that i got to see north dakota state in person which for those who don't know ndsu is kind of like the alabama of fcs football so seeing them travel over here to the east coast not gonna lie pretty dope uh now they destroyed towson really really destroyed them and towson only got one touchdown if i had to guess because we had left the game at this point Pretty sure North gonna say probably had their backups in at that point, but yeah, we, so. we were at halftime. We we're sitting there going, has, has Towson thrown the ball once? Like, what it, their quarterback just looked afraid to throw, so I was, uh, it was, it was iffy, uh, kind it of was w- ugly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of wish we still had Tom Flacco. Um, uh, but like you were saying, busy, busy weekend. Uh, my weekends per usual just don't seem to stop. Uh, I was up crazy late Friday night watching the Maryland game that they. Did everything they could to lose against Illinois, and and I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of impressed because that's the normal spot for Maryland to just throw out a total dud, and they kind of did, but they still won the game. Uh, do have to say, one of the craziest defensive plays I've ever seen in that game because like I've seen balls ripped out for fumbles, and I've seen you know crazy things happen. I have never seen like a defensive lineman who is tackling a running back to the ground just straight up rip the ball out of the running back's hands and just pocket it like right into his armpit. He's like, Nope, this is mine. Now
1: you handed it off to the wrong guy.
0: <laughs> I was just watching. I was like, at first I didn't really catch it. And then they did the replay and I was just watching going like, Whoa, whoa, whoa like what just happened there? It's now, that's, called a literal strip. Yeah, I mean, uh, cause it's it, the surprising part is just that the ball didn't end up on the ground. Cause you know, you think fumble, it's gotta be so hard, especially with the oblong shape of a football, to really kind of like pull it into you and secure it so easily. But he looked like he had practiced doing that. So that was incredible to watch. Uh, The night prior, I was also up way too late watching my team, the team, uh, also do everything that they could to lose to the Giants. And somehow the Giants did more to lose.
1: Still got that W.
0: (laughs) That's a W with a question mark if I've ever seen one. (laughs) Hey,
1: it's in the same column. (laughs) As all other wins.
0: Uh, oh, I don't know. Because I think your team, the Ravens, got a W that is in a, in a column all of its own. Because they finally got the monkey off their back and took down Kansas City.
1: Crazy game. I think I've I've uh, completely accept or I, I, I've i officially hit my low after the, the game. I'm back on neutral ground. Um, unreal. Unreal. I mean, Lamar put the team on his back. And I think the, a few of the things that aren't necessarily getting talked about a lot is he started that game off terribly.
0: Yeah, Two yeah, no, picks real, in the real first quarter, if picks, not the first. Pick six in his first series. Yeah, I um, mean Kansas City was up seven nothing before Mahomes even touched the field, and normally that's a death sentence. Well,
1: and then on top of that, uh, the Ravens held them scoreless for the final twenty one minutes of regulation, which is insane. I didn't
0: even realize that. Wow, that's All, that's crazy
1: for the Chiefs. Yeah, and considering. The Ravens had 14 players on IR. The Chiefs had one. It's it's unreal. Um, very 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 happy they won that they won that game. Um, if they had lost it, you know it was against the Chiefs, and I had kind of accepted that and kind of was bracing for that going in just because of the amount of injuries. Um, but an 0-2 start would not have sat well, and I don't think Harbaugh has ever started 0-2. So no, it's a think huge so. game. Uh, you know, you got to give props to Wink, Martindale. Played uh, The defense played unreal. Um, ben, don't who is, break.
0: Who was the guy who stripped Edwards Alaire? Owe Adafe?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, Adawu. O W A H. The guy from Penn State, 99.
0: I think I think I heard it pronounced as OA. Oh, Either way, if if by chance he somehow listens to this and I mispronounce his name, sorry. let us
1: know how you say your name,
0: please. <laughs> I, if we ever get to the point where you're giving us the time of day, well, so it's uh,
1: interesting because he was taken um, at the very end of the first round. And- a lot of
0: people were like concerned because he didn't have any sacks in college, right?
1: um yeah they were a little concerned um they did not project him going in the first round at all he was more of like a third fourth fifth round pick and um uh, actually an interview with wink today um he said that prior to the draft ozzy Newsom um reached out and uh said this guy he's a raven and just based on that recommendation alone they took him and look at that i mean regardless if i mean. I hope he has a great rest of the season and a great rest of his career. He played his butt off
0: the other night. Yeah. Like,
1: absolute tank.
0: Um, I mean, honestly, with the Ravens, like, because obviously Ozzie Newsom isn't their GM anymore. I can't remember their current GM's name. Uh, but I know DeCosta. DeCosta, yes. Um, I know that he's an, uh, an Ozzie disciple, but if Ozzie hadn't retired, it's not like, you know, the the organization was considering moving on from him. Yeah, it's clear the organization and the city still love Ozzie Newsome.
1: Ozzie's a lifer too.
0: Yeah, and it it just it almost feels like even though he's retired, normally the phrase "shadow GM" kind of comes with like negative connotations because you know people call like LeBron James a shadow GM in the NBA because they feel like he's controlling like all of his team moves. So whether whether it's the Lakers, the the Cavaliers, the Heat, I'm purposely not acknowledging that statement, Uh, but. You know, it's what like normally it comes with some like negative feel to it. But honestly, I feel like if, if Ozzy's a shadow GM for the Ravens, that's that's actually You're not a bad thing. Shape. Because <laughs> I guess a less kind of impactful way to put it is just he's the best resource DaCosta could ever have available to him.
1: Totally. I mean, I think one thing that is I think starting to get more recognition. Obviously in the NFL, you have you know, you have Belichick, long standing coach. Um, but other than that, there's a lot of mushy middle. There's a lot of over, you know, two, three years. And if they're, they don't have like a playoff season or even a 500 season. Let's I mean, not
0: overlook Andy Reid.
1: So, well, but Andy Reid still, he's now with the Chiefs, obviously. Um, uh, his time in Philly, though, I mean, so he's been, he's been employed. I'm saying with one, the, 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 there is no substitute for a coach being with one organization.
0: That's fair, but at the same time, and maybe I'm just being soft because I hate the fans of Philadelphia. Not all of them, but most of them. I mean, there's a reason that you guys had a jail cell in your football stadium. So before Philly hears this and comes for me, I'm in Central Maryland. Bring it. But, (laughs) uh, you know, I just I feel like Philly is the kind of city where I I will not say that they don't have a respect and appreciation for what Reid did. Because I know for a fact that they do, but if there's any city that I think is more likely to kind of short circuit other than maybe New York, uh, but I think New York gets the headline for this where I think low key Philly is is the stronger candidate for this. I feel like that city is going to short circuit and say, get rid of him, even though he's still flat out excellent. I mean, the dude like turn guys like, I don't know, Kevin Cobb and some other guys whose names I can't remember for the exact reason of they're not very good into you know serviceable quarterbacks and I'm not gonna lie and say that I think Mahomes it would be as good as he is without Reed so even though he's not still in Philly I feel like there almost has to be an asterisk next to it that just says I mean it's Philly come on
1: yeah I mean of course Um, and I mean if you're talking about media you mentioned New York you see that they asked Zach Wilson if he was seeing ghosts
0: yeah, I feel like that was going to follow him, thanks to Sam Darnold. Uh, not that it's really Sam Darnold's fault. He just got called on the hot mic. Um, I, I honestly, I feel like the editors of that did Darnold dirty by putting it out there. But. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm going to, and I'll even say that the reporters that, act, that act asked can't talk. Wilson, uh, that, look, the guy had a, a bad game. He's a rookie. He's going to get playing time regardless because they, they don't really have anybody else. And two, they want him getting reps. They can't have him sitting on the bench. Yeah, Um, It's it's a tough city, man. Yeah, but why? I mean, I I have quite a few friends that are Jets fans, and even they're like, why would the media, why would you ask him that? If you're trying to get into his head, that's not the way to do it.
0: (laughs) I feel like the reason why the New York media uh, became so infamous for the way that they are, but also they became so popular in terms of like people paying attention to them is because they figured out the the trick that being as negative and like pessimistic as you can strangely enough grabs grabs headlines i mean in in the journalism world the the go-to phrase is if it bleeds it leads and you know football unless you get some crazy play you know it's not like you're gonna have you know someone dying on the field or bleeding a whole ton i mean I hope not. Yeah, I mean, we've had players bleed a ton. I mean, J.J. Watt several years ago, he's got that picture of his nose just straight leak, leaking blood. But, you know, the New York media just has to real or like has somehow come to the realization, hey, you know, if we start trashing our players, it's going to get more, you know, for the newspaper era, it's going to get more subscriptions. It's going to get people to buy this uh, and in the digital age. It's going to get us more clicks. So, you know, if they had a reporter who was, you know, super positive, tried to put a spin on his performance because he did not have a good day. I mean, it it was great for me because I had New England's defense on my fantasy team, but for for the media, they're not going to have somebody who looks at the silver lining because the media itself has almost created a culture that the the people of New York are more than happy to permeate and just automatically assume that their team's going to be terrible. So granted, they've had reason to believe that, But at the same time, I feel like for them, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. You know, they're they're so angry all the time at their teams. They they're always dejected about it. You know, for them, it's always championship or bust. So even if Wilson starts to show improvement, unless they start inching close to the playoffs, I am worried that they're going to turn on him super quick. And I, I didn't think he was a great prospect coming out because he's one of those like guys who just randomly shows up on the scene. And all of a sudden has one great year where in college he really didn't play anybody. But also I feel like his mom, if you keep up with her on social media, she's going to be a problem for his career if she keeps things up. Hmm. Uh, yeah. She's, she kind of enjoys the limelight a little bit, even though she acts like she doesn't, she definitely leans into it. Um, but I check that out. I, ha- I wasn't even aware of that. She's yeah. She's a strong personality in the sense of, you know, she she wants to take care of her son but i don't know if she is real or at the point of realizing that the more that she tries to speak up to protect her son she's actually doing him a disservice because of the location that he's in it's not fair to her but it's just reality Hmm. so
1: yeah stay out of it mom
0: yeah i mean who is uh isn't like lamar jackson's mom his agent
1: yeah i mean in in football that's pretty rare uh super rare In hockey, it's actually not that rare. And actually, um, Nick Backstrom, uh, you know, speaking of hockey, uh, Caps officially started training camp today. (laughs) Or NHL officially started training camp today. Um, Nick Backstrom represented himself as his own agent previously. And for the deal that uh, Alex Ovechkin just signed, he represented himself. Um, and I I feel like hockey
0: though, has a better culture of, you know, GMs and organizations kind of doing right by their players where other leagues don't seem to have as much of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll be completely honest. I understand the cap and I guess speaking of G, you know, armchair GM, I I'm definitely like more so aware of that in hockey, um, than in football. So I'm not really sure about that. Uh, hockey, they are guaranteed a fair amount of their their contract. I think in NFL, they're guaranteed all of it. Unless no. they get cut.
0: No, the NFL, the majority of their stuff isn't guaranteed. The only player who I know of who has a 100% guaranteed contract of all people is Kirk Cousins. Too bad he doesn't have a kicker. <laughs> Yeah, well, we talked about, you know, stuff that's relevant today because you mentioned training camp. Uh, Chris and I are recording this right before Thursday Night Football kicks off. In fact, I'm recording this on my laptop and I have my phone situated in front of the screen with the game on the screen. Uh, We've got Carolina going against the Houston Texans. Chris, I think we both could equally say that we came into the season expecting Houston to be an absolute dumpster fire. But through two weeks, they've been a lot more competent than I would have expected. Uh, Carolina comes into the week 2-0. Uh, a lot of people would maybe make the claim that it's a fraudulent 2-0. They've beaten the Jets, who, as we were talking about, don't really have a strong team. And this past week, they beat the Saints, who had like almost their entire coaching staff out because of the COVID list. So they're still kind of a, hey, you're 2-0, but are you a legit sort of team? Uh, Houston, Tyrod Taylor is out of this game due to a hamstring injury. And Davis Mills, a rookie out of Stanford, starting I'm gonna be honest, even though this game's in Houston, I kind of feel like this game is spelling blowout carolina what do you what do you think?
1: I agree I mean, unless Mills comes out and has an unreal game and you know um they weren't necessarily expecting that and they didn't have a ton of film on him. I just don't see it happening. I think it, Houston has definitely outperformed expectations so far.
0: I'd say greatly outperformed,
1: yeah at the end of the day one I, I think tyrod taylor is a competent nfl quarterback he is has he, the
0: worst luck
1: he ha- i mean punctured lung last year because of the, the getting the injection um i mean he i mean even getting shown the door in in baltimore i mean he there was questions about whether flacco would move on and taylor would be the starter and then lamar comes on comes to the scene and you know is lamar Lamarvelous. I mean, um, I had to make sure I got that in there.
0: He then goes um, to Buffalo and Josh Allen replaces him. Then to Cleveland, I, I may have gotten those two flip-flopped, but then Baker Mayfield replaces him.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, and through it all though, he's consistent. Like he is, he, when he's on the field, you know what you're going to get. There is no, I mean, for better or for worse, it's not like his upside is through the roof. No, he's consistent um, Houston without him to, tonight. I, I don't know what to expect. I know that, you know, the rest of the team, they are all NFL caliber players. So, you know, it's, it's hard to ever count them out. But I just see Carolina rolling. Um, Darnold had a good game last, last week, regardless of whether, you know, what the situation is. A win's a win. Back to your football team. A win's a win. Confidence, you know, Darnold hasn't really had that. He had his best year in, or he had his best game in like two years, maybe even in his career. Last week,
0: look, I'm going to say this: I feel good enough about it based on you know how his first two performances have been that I put Robbie Anderson into my starting lineup for fantasy tonight, and he is very much a boom or bust kind of player. Yeah. So you know, I'm hoping that with tonight, you know, with, with the fact that Mills is starting, that Anderson will will score some good points for me, but. At the same time, it's so hard for me because, you know, I see the fact that Houston had a legitimate chance to take down Cleveland last week, which years past hearing that sentence doesn't normally mean much, but recently Cleveland is, is really, really good. I mean, they got one of the best running games in the league. Uh, Baker Mayfield has been steadily improving since he got Kevin Stefanski as a head coach defense looks better, but Houston was kind of put putting the screws to the defense. And if he hadn't gotten hurt, you know, who knows what could have happened? So what I'm wondering is, you know, is the rest of Houston's roster better than we thought it was? And to that point, is David Cully, their head coach, way better than we thought he was? Because he came into this season as a total nobody. So, you know, it, it's right now I'd have to say coach of the year is is, is Cully, which makes me concerned about how this game will go just because it's a short week for Carolina on the road. But I'm still going to take them. It's just a it's a hesitation uh, sort of take. If if I were a betting man, as much as you know, this game screams Carolina blowout to me. I frankly I wouldn't touch it, and I would be a betting man. Maryland just doesn't allow it yet.
1: Soon, hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't see it. The, the Thursday night games
0: are are always
1: weird, as last week showed, as the week before. Well, the week before was the first week of the season. Thursday but nights still. are always weird. Um, no, I, I have Carolina. I don't see how you can pick against them right now, especially when they're playing Houston, who you could say has the worst roster in the entire league.
0: Yeah, Jacksonville might argue for that just because Houston really put it to them.
1: So, uh, excuse me, uh, what is this? Urban Meyer to USC? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not
0: oh, happening. No the, chance. The, the rumor mills. And actually, to our point, you mentioned Urban Meyer. Last week we were talking about uh, coaches to USC, and I mentioned that Luke Fickle, Definitely had to have the you know he's still auditioning if he wants the USC job. So his team had to come out good. They looked iffy to start. I mean, they looked like a team who thought their head coach was leaving. But I'd say the turnaround that they had, uh, you know, Cincinnati over Indiana. I'd say that turnaround really speaks to what I was saying. Where you know, like I feel like the whole team, including Luke Fickle, still has something to prove. You know, they went into the halftime locker room, and I don't know if they made any adjustments. Or literally, Fickle just sat there and was like, look, guys, i heard rumors. You know, you've heard rumors. Whatever. We still got a job to do. You know, I'm not going anywhere until this job's done. You know, I'm not even taking interviews. Whatever. We're focused on the here and now. You know, if we want to do what we came to do into the season, you know, let's let's push everything that's on the outside to the outside and focus on coming out and, you know, wrecking Indiana in the second half. And that's what they did. And I feel like that's what they could do for the rest of the season.
1: It was still, I mean, a close game. I um, I will also, and maybe I'm just showing some some Big Ten bias here. I still think that Indiana is better than their record shows. Um, that first week, they got blown out by Iowa. A lot of turnovers came back. I to got No doubt. Yeah, but that was two touchdowns, two two uh, turnovers returned for a touchdown. You swing that the opposite way, things are a little different. So
0: well. You mentioned Iowa, and you were telling me before we hopped on here that you were really surprised with where Iowa is in the current AP standings, along with some other surprises. So why don't you go ahead and tell me, you know, we, we talked about Iowa. What what else is catching your eye right now?
1: Well, so just from looking at the top 10, we've got Alabama at the top. I think that's hard to argue against right now. Had a little scare little scare with Florida, but a win's a win. You know, um, Saban's going to be Saban. Georgia, easy number two. You could even argue that they should be number one. Georgia has looked good, especially that defense is legit. Yeah. Oregon's at three. You said that that confused you a bit. I can see Oregon being a three. I mean, they had that good win against Ohio State, who at the time I believe was ranked three or four. Um, they were top five. There. They were a top five team. That
0: that surprised me, just because usually the Pac-12 doesn't get a lot of love, and that's normally because the Pac-12 cannibalizes itself. So I'm just surprised to see you know writers and people making these picks actually give them a good amount of credit for what they've done up to this point.
1: Yeah, I'm I, I don't really have an issue with, with them being at three. Um, I would agree with that. The Pac-12 is an interesting division. As as we're sitting here, by the way, Pac-12, you know, uh, USC had to go to a freshman quarterback who just had surgery on his knee for a torn meniscus. So, so much for that for USC is just
0: an absolute mess right now. Utah's Um, quarterback also left the program after three games because he got benched. Yeah. I talk about a lack of mental toughness. Yeah. Um, Uh, UCLA lost to Fresno in what I heard, but I believe it was only being broadcast on the PAC 12 network. So as much as I was looking for it, I couldn't find it, which sucks. Uh, which I heard it was a great game. Wish I could have watched it, but don't. Oh. Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't know. UCLA still has a pretty tough schedule moving forward. So maybe there's a chance they end up in the Pac 12 final yeah. and that they can sneak out a win against Oregon. I think it's safe to say they have the offensive firepower to do so. Um, but we'll see. They so get
0: Oregon f- in Los Angeles on their schedule, which, which will be really interesting. Um, they just the got to get that, fans there. Yeah, yeah. The other one that caught me off, though, was uh, Arizona State lost to BYU. So it, it looks State. like right now, once again, for the Pac-12, it's a you've got one hope to get yourself in. And if the league ends up cannibalizing itself again and somebody takes down Oregon, I get the feeling they're going to they're be left out because there's no way that they're going to put a one loss Oregon team over a one loss Ohio state, or even at this point, as bad as they looked this last weekend, a one loss Clemson team.
1: Yeah. I I don't know. Cle, Clemson at nine, just looking at the top 10 Clemson at nine. I, I know they got the win against Georgia tech. They did they not look bad. good. Their offense really looks bad. terrible. They had, they had some uh, senior offensive linemen come out this past week and basically say some undabo. Things, um, some some doubts and questions. Um, uh, it seems like their offensive coordinator is getting a lot of heat right now. Um, you know, DJ was projected to be this like Heisman candidate, and he's looked at anything but that. Um, also, it's important to note Clemson has cupcakes the rest of the way, rest of the way.
0: NC State this weekend is
1: tricky. Well, cupcakes in terms of Clemson stature.
0: Okay. I could see that
1: the ACC, you know, yeah, NC State is a solid ACC team, top tier ACC team, but in the grand scheme of things, still pretty mushy middle, right? UNC has also, I think, a lot of people had a lot of hopes for UNC. They can still run the gauntlet and probably end up a top ten team, try to get sneak a a playoff spot in there, but they have definitely not been as. demanding to play against as one would expect, or one was projecting early August. Um, I if, if Clemson keeps rolling the way they're doing, they're definitely not getting a playoff spot.
0: So a couple of notes on that point. And when we're done with Clemson, let's keep rolling into the ACC because I've got something to go into here. But NC State this weekend is tricky. They did go to Mississippi State and they got pretty well beat there. But by all accounts, Starkville is just a weird place to play in. And- Mike Leach. Yeah, so I'm almost willing to kind of put that one to the side, also largely because of how bad that um, that Clemson looked against Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech, not a good team. So NC State's tricky. Uh, they've also got Pitt at Pitt, which for me is an interesting matchup because I don't think that Tennessee is very good and Pitt beat them. But I'm wondering, you know, is Pitt kind of getting back to the, the kind of grit and grind, even though they, you know, looked... um a little bit more high-flying, but basically the, the Pittsburgh way of you know winning. So that could be an upset there. Um, the one that actually kind of made me chuckle, and this is just going to be kind of one of those where get down on your knees and pray. They've got Connecticut as their third to last game of the season. And that's, that's going to be bad for UConn. But yeah. <laughs> the, the game that is really kind of catching my eye the most, and this is what I want to lead into for this weekend, is their second to last game of the season, because, of course, as we know, they always wrap the season up with South Carolina. But their last conference game is Wake Forest. And Wake Forest is one of those teams that has been sneaky good this season. You know, I see a lot of people who, you know, talk gambling, talk college football. They're really high on Wake Forest compared to, you know, years past. So I'm not saying that, you know, the Demon Deacons are like a top 15, top 10 sort of team. But with the way that Clemson's been playing, are we sure that they are?
1: My point, exactly.
0: Yeah, so there's a couple stumbling blocks still left on the schedule for them. But speaking of Wake Forest, let's start getting into our weekend games here because Friday night, or for those listening to it, tonight, we've got Wake Forest going against Virginia. And Chris, I'm not going to lie, I don't know much about Virginia. Uh, A couple weeks ago, they were playing Illinois, and I thought that the way that Illinois played against like Nebraska and ultimately the way they played the following week against Maryland. I thought that they were the kind of team that could, you know, keep the game close just by muddying it up and keeping it ugly and Virginia trounced them. And like I just said a second ago, Wake Forest has been high on a lot of people's boards Uh, right now. Virginia is a four point favorite. They are the home team, which is important to note, even though, you know, Winston-Salem and Charlottesville aren't that far apart. It's still, you know, uh, worth noting for obvious reasons. I'm going to be honest; I don't know what to do here. So I'm going
1: UVA only because Brennan Armstrong is a name that is definitely going to be getting more traction if he continues to play he, the way he is. Uh, so far, he's thrown for almost a thousand yards and nine touchdowns um, against Illinois and UNC. So not, you know, you could say Illinois is a cupcake in a in a sense, but um, UNC is definitely not a cupcake um, in UVA land, um, <clears throat> so he's been slinging it around and has, and has sneakily been like kind of hinted at, you know, being in the er, very early running of the Heisman talk. Obviously, there's a lot of season left to play, so I wouldn't be surprised if he fizzles out. I feel like um, the
0: Heisman's going to be more up for grabs than normal this year. Totally, I mean, I, I, I agree with that big time. That's a talk for later in the season, though definitely it's it's still way too early to call it but the, the two leading favorites Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler do not look like Heisman candidates
1: I think Howell has a lot of turnover on his team I think that he will be a stud in the NFL I don't think there's any question about that oh for sure for sure Ratt- I'm just saying for Rattler- Heisman
0: purposes he hasn't looked mm-hmm. like it
1: mm-hmm. no Ratt- Rattler
0: has looked bad
1: We'll we'll talk about Rattler when we talk about uh OU in a yeah. little bit, but um I I think this is going to be a really good game. I see UVA coming out on top. Wake Forest defense has looked legit. Um, They obviously had six turnovers turnovers against Florida State the first week. Um, And, you know, Wake Forest has won each of their games, I believe, by three touchdowns. (laughs) So, I mean, they, they are throttling teams. Now, granted, is Florida
0: State really any good? But at the same time, has Wake Forest ever been any good? So this is like, how do they handle success? And by virtue, this is how, the
1: mushy middle. This is yeah, the mushy middle.
0: Like, how, how do they handle a tight game? Like, do we give this game to Virginia just because they're the home team?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, that, so that's what I'm saying. It's a Friday night game at home. Brennan Armstrong has been on fire. So have at it. Charlottesville's going crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, Friday night games have not been kind to the away team. Uh, you know, particularly we kicked off the season. With uh, Carolina losing to Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech looks like you know they got over overblown afterwards. So by all accounts, they lost to a pretty bad Virginia Tech team, uh, and it seems like the process has continued through other games for the rest of the year. I mean, Maryland, like I said, almost dropped that that dud to Illinois, and if we were to look at it, I do genuinely think Maryland is a better team than Illinois right now. It's just the kind of game that. Maryland was on the road, it was prime spot for them to drop one. So it's, it hasn't been kind to, to road teams. Even if they win, it's been really tight. So for that purpose and for that purpose alone, I'm going against conventional wisdom, and I am taking Wake Forest because the, the, the slate has to write itself, right? At some, at some point, it's got to go the other direction.
1: Hey, I mean, uh, I, I'm cool with Wake Forest, you know, coming out on top. But if I were a betting man, going UVA.
0: Well, so here's the thing. I have Wake Forest on the money line. But more importantly, I have Wake Forest covering the spread because I think this game is going to be a close game. So if Wake Forest loses, I think it's just because they they haven't really had a whole lot of close games this year. So maybe that's the difference is they just don't know how to kind of handle the, the tightness of that situation. But right now, I can't see Virginia winning by more than a field goal. So I've definitely got Wake Forest covering the spread if I again if I could be a betting man, I would only sprinkle a little bit on the money line there. Just just a small amount, not nearly as much as, as the uh, the spread. But I've got Wake Forest taking the win. Most importantly, though, the over-under is set at 68 for this game or 68 and a half. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm taking the over. I feel like this game's gonna be kind of fun and crazy. Ooh,
1: 68. I that's that's a good. Uh, I mean I'm
0: Dude, this game has all the markings of just a wild and crazy fun fest for a Friday night.
1: I, I mean, no, I agree, and Armstrong has been playing out of his mind. Like literally, the last he's thrown nine touchdowns in the last two games.
0: Yeah, so, I, mean, I mean, I will mean, be crossing my fingers for the over just because, again, I think it's going to be fun.
1: Ah, uh, you, you swayed me. I'm going to go over, but UVA.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. So you you think UVA is going to win by more than four? Yes. All right. And everyone who wonders why I'm getting super specific with that, Chris is much like I'm me, new. still still learning the, the betting systems. I just happen to be like a half step in front of him. So just confirming we're on the same uh, wavelength for those who may have missed it. Last week, there was some education going on. Helps me out. Definitely helps Chris out. Always so, learning. Exactly. Always learning. So let's go to what a lot of people, I think, are dubbing the game of the weekend on Saturday. But frankly, I think this game's going to be super ugly. Is Notre Dame against Wisco Disco, Wisconsin? Ah, neutral site game. Yeah, don't get me started. I've already gone the one rant.
1: <laughs> There's another one on our slate coming up in a little bit.
0: I know. Um, I, I, I
1: think f- the Soldier Field might get a little bit of a pass just because there is some historical basis around it. No. But no. I would still much rather this be on a campus. Look,
0: like, without I, either, a doubt. I either want Touchdown Jesus or I want Wisconsin's jump around, okay? You can't, you can't take these two programs. You have two uh, – granted, Touchdown Jesus is just a figure. But at the same time, two really cool traditions and just completely you know throw them to the side and have this game in Chicago. I get for the purposes of geography it makes sense because it is kind of like in the middle of the two schools. But – the two schools really aren't that far from each other. Just have it at your freaking campus.
1: Yeah, I could be wrong. I think this is a part of a series, so this is going to be uh, in two years as well.
0: I could yeah, be it's, wrong. It's uh, the Shamrock series, if I believe so.
1: Yeah, so but so this game has some interesting storylines. Um, I think what's getting the most media attention is the Mertz versus Cone quarterback duel going on here. So obviously Mertz is Wisconsin's quarterback. Cone was supposed to be Wisconsin's quarterback last year, ended up getting hurt um, and then transferred to Notre Dame. So, you know, a little bit of a rivalry. I don't know. I I don't know if I'm just being too media-ish and trying to spin it into something. Um, but it's regardless, you know, Cone and Notre Dame's offense did not look good last week. Also, Wisconsin possessed the ball almost 45 minutes against when they played Penn State. Who has shown themselves? Penn State's a you know favorable team. They are nowhere near a cupcake. They are a top ten team. Um, Right now they're number six, so literally they are a top (laughs) ten team. All
0: right, (laughs) you can't argue
1: against that. Um,
0: Look again, those who are listening. I made a face. Chris caught on to it. I just don't know if Auburn's that good because before they played Penn State, they played two absolute cream puffs. So
1: agreed, agreed. But as as of literally as of right now, they're number six. So technically they count as a top ten team. They do have a, you know, a decent win against Auburn. Um, but regardless of who they're playing, Wisconsin had the ball for almost 45 minutes. That is ground pound. That is big 10 football at its finest. Um, they held Eastern Michigan this past weekend to three first downs the entire game. I know it's Eastern Michigan, but that is insane. I don't even think that uh, NDSU held Towson to that.
0: I don't know. They were pretty close.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so I have a, I'm have going with the ground pound game. I think they're going to do everything they can to keep the ball on their side of the field, um, and I think they're just going to set, you know, set the pace. Also important to note, Notre Dame's entire offensive line is underclassmen, and as we know, Wisconsin, just like Iowa, is dirty in the trenches. So I'm going Wisco here.
0: So I wanted to go Wisco Disco because I love saying Wisco Disco, but – Something about this is just telling me Notre Dame's going to win it because they're five and a half point underdogs, which I think means that people are kind of overblowing that w- how much like Wisconsin has done since they lost to Penn State. But even though I was like I was tailgating when Wisconsin was playing Penn State, I was catching as much of that game as I could on the TV that was nearby. And that game was ugly, like really, really bad. Uh, you know, I think that Penn State, for them, it was probably bad because they had a bad 2020, uh, you know, thanks to COVID. And maybe it took some them some time to kind of get comfortable with the idea of, oh, yeah, we can be good again. So I really wasn't impressed by Wisconsin. And I think their offense is ridiculously unimaginative. I think they are underutilizing Graham Mertz. And I think there is a little bit of a, of a revenge factor for Jack Cohn, who. If memory serves, was strangely enough a Notre Dame lacrosse commit before he went to Wisconsin for football. So, fun little factoid there might, hmm. might have been what helped him transfer to Notre Dame. But I think the other thing to this is the coaching matchup, because as I've said before, you know, usually college sports comes down to coaching. So, you've got Brian Kelly against, uh, I could never remember his name. I keep wanting to say great guard, but I know that's their basketball coach. I'm pretty sure it's Paul Chris. Um, but you know, I think that Kelly is just a better coach than Chris and much like Maryland, you know, having the, the time to, you know, usually have a dud thrown out. I think Wisconsin got their usual uh dud in week one, but I think this is just going to be what they would consider a down year in Madison. And I think they put up a, a dud this weekend too. And I've got Notre Dame taking the outright win, which obviously means I've got them covering the five and a half point spread. Uh, but Uh, because I think this is going to be an ugly, ugly game over under set at 45, which is low, but I've got the under without a doubt, because, you know, the, the Penn state Wisconsin game, I think they like maybe what got 17 points between both teams in the whole game. It, it was a terrible watch. And I just don't see either team being explosive enough to, you know, really blow up the over. I just also don't see Wisconsin being good enough to hang with Notre Dame.
1: I, I'm going with, with Wisconsin. As I already said, Wisconsin, going to go under as well. Um,
0: you mean I can't convince you to change your mind? No, not happening <laughs> this
1: time. I will say, just looking up, at, obviously, Chicago, Chicago uh, Saturday is supposed to be 70 and sunny. So no weather. I was I was envisioning this. This is the type of game where you just imagine it being played in a mud bowl
0: well, you think this game should be played later in the year because these teams, they're not in the same conference as each other. So you'd imagine it being a bowl game, right? Well, Notre Dame's not in the conference at all, so. Well, look, yeah, <laughs> the, I mean, oh, wait, again, don't get me started because I also, it, it pains me to take Notre Dame because I'm not a Notre Dame fan by any stretch of the imagination, as well as I'm not a fan of the arrogance that they have towards their football program. I just have to admit that I think, you know, in years past, they've been the better program and that's why I'm taking them now.
1: I mean, I think this is going to be a good game. This is the type that's an ugly game. This is the type of game that I personally love to watch. Um, so uh, I'm going Wisconsin under and covering the
0: spread. All right. So let's did I move say to all the, that. Correct. Is my education. You, you, working? Did. you got it right. I, mean, I am proud of you. Look at that baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> so let's move to the next neutral site game. That <sighs> um, <is> even worse. <laughs> yeah. Um. This one, I'm not going to lie, Chris, I'm really surprised by your pick. But Texas A&M and Arkansas, you've got Arkansas. Try and tell me why.
1: I don't think a and ms that good. They've Do you think,
0: Ar- think Arkansas is that good?
1: No. Uh, well, I'm going to say no. However, this is a huge SEC West game. Massive. They're both 3-0. and A&M struggled against Colorado. I believe they won 10-7 to if memory serves correct. They've Sounds dealt with right. they they've dealt with uh, quarterback injuries, and I'm not even sure who their starter is right now. Um, both uh, actually, wait, I know I do. Cal- Calzada, Calzada. Zeta? I, don't oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, so regardless, um, I just Arkansas. Oh, uh, sorry, A M, and M. Um, their defenses looked very good. Their offense has been a dud. Arkansas is kind of in the same boat. Um, Arkansas's defense is very stout. They haven't allowed over. Um, 142 yards passing a game yet. Um, I think this is the type of thing that's going to come down to. It's going to be whoever has the ball last, Um, not a high scoring game, but I do think it's going to be two very evenly matched game teams. Um, And I, I, I gotta go with Arkansas mainly because I don't want to see A&M win. Uh, I think it's safe to say A&M came into this year with very high expectations. And I think that they're still kind of riding the, the Kellen Mond, you know, era vibe a bit. So Little johnny
0: Manziel sprinkled in there too um,
1: yeah from from years past where we're feeling i making me feel old because that was like a decade ago
0: oh god i didn't even think about that that was a decade ago yeah no i have to remind myself when i was uh, traveling for my club team there was a kid who we played against who always did the johnny Manziel um dollar sign uh thing to us when he got somebody out and we all hated him for it even though off the court he's a great guy
1: yeah um i don't know i mean it just I just I'm I'm going with the Razorbacks. So,
0: yeah, and here's my thing. I think that Arkansas is overcredited for being better than what they are. I don't know if I said that correctly in terms of the English language and grammar, but I don't think they're as good as their as their current ranking suggests that they are because yeah, I'm I'm looking at where where they're at now. But they rank-
1: beat Texas.
0: They're ranked 16, which is about yeah. the same slot that Virginia Tech was in last week when they lost. The to West mushy Virginia. middle. It, this is the low mushy middle. <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh, best thing that I've learned though, if you want to have, if you want to listen to something that is just phenomenal, just listen to Arkansas's coach and the way that he says, "Yes, sir." It is, it, it it's a treat. But despite that, I don't think Arkansas is very good. They had to rally to beat rice um, and not just beat them, but like beat them through the spread, which when you're Arkansas and you're playing rice, that's not a game that you should be worried about just winning. That's a game where you should be, obviously players don't know, or at least they shouldn't know the spread, but that that's a game where, you know, your concern should be covering the spread because you're supposed to be that much better than them. So yeah, that to me, them beating Texas Not that huge of a deal because I don't think that Texas is very good. Uh, When I picked Louisiana Lafayette to beat them, you know, I thought that it was because Sarkeesian coming in, just not enough talent, new season, all that sort of stuff. I was wrong, but it also seems that I was very, very wrong about how good Louisiana was. So this is just kind of a a domino effect for me of seeing, huh, wrong about them, wrong about, or well, sort of right about them, but wrong about them to start, but then being proven right about them. Do I want to possibly make that mistake with Arkansas? And the answer is no. So I'm going with Texas A&M. I've got them covering the five-point spread. I don't know why I do, because like you said, their offense has been pretty brutal. But I think this is just one of those games where their defense is legit. The over-under is set at 47 and a half. I get a feeling between these two teams, they're just going to score enough points to cover that. I don't think it's going to be particularly pretty, but I've got Texas A&M taking this game. Because I think again, overall they just have, you know, a superior team despite the offense being a dud.
1: I'm going Razorbacks. I'm def- I'm gonna go over. Why that that is so low. I feel uh, like there's gonna be a lot of points scored in this.
0: It's gotta be because of AM's offense and their injuries and everything with that.
1: Yeah, Ar- I mean Arkansas
0: can score. They've just been inconsistent.
1: Arkansas can score. Uh I mean it- I don't know. AM's offense is weird because, like I said, they only put up 10 points against Colorado, who is not very good. Um, I'm, I'm still going to go over, though, and then I do not have them covering the spread.
0: Okay. So you've got Arkansas you know, losing by less than five, basically.
1: Yep. Close game. Let's see it being a close game. Whoever has the ball last. Um, All
0: right. so. so speaking of spreads, the next game that we've got, the, the spread on this game really surprised me. Rutgers and Michigan... Rutgers is a 20-point dog or 20 and a half point dog, and honestly. So they're basically predicted to lose by like just under three touchdowns. Chris, explain this to me because Michigan hasn't been a dominant force for the most part. I mean, they ha- they have beaten up on some weak teams, but it seems like they really like take the weak teams, smash them down, and beat them down that way. But when they're faced with a quality team, and again, Rutgers, not good, but stellar. So, you know, they're they're going in the right trajectory. And I feel like 20 and a half is screaming way too much to me. I mean, Michigan's beaten Washington, which, as we've seen, is a trash team. They lost to Montana. And then last week, they beat up on the Northern Illinois team, which it's Northern Illinois. Yeah. So. Um,
1: I mean, both, both Rutgers and Michigan have both had very easy schedules so far in the grand scheme of things.
0: I think I Syracuse you, is still a better opponent than anybody Michigan's faced.
1: Yes, maybe. <laughs> I, you know, it's hard. It's hard to say. You know, uh, we're we're thrashing uh, Washington right now. They have not looked good. I think it's safe to say that. But wait, just wait till Pac-12 play starts. You know, Washington's definitely one of the better Pac-12 teams. I don't think they're a top-tier back Pac-12 team, but that's also the Pac-12 for you. You know, a two, three, four-loss team is top-tier Pac-12. They do so, tend to
0: cannibalize themselves, yeah. As I've been saying, um, so I watch, have no I'll f- be trashing Washington this much, and they'll be the team who trips up Oregon. I mean, exact ex- Pac-12 at its finest. Yeah. um So Pac-12 is I the only way it knows how to be.
1: Oh, those those after dark games. I don't know if there are any ten forty five games that I did not stay up to watch all of that that Fresno State game. I mean, I couldn't Pac-12. find
0: it, so I, I wanted to, but I
1: couldn't find it. Oh, you can stream it if you got Pac-12 Network online. I'm not paying for that. Oh, no. Well, if it's in your TV package,
0: Uh, I'll have to check to see if YouTube TV has that.
1: Um, But yeah, Pac-12 is weird. I have Michigan in this game. Um, I'm going to be honest. I think the spread is so large because yes, both teams are 3-0. I think that both teams need to be applauded for being 3-0. I know that they've kind of had cupcakes. Last year saw a massive improvement in morale. Maybe not in the win loss column. Greg Schiano's back. Obviously, he produced the heyday of of Rutgers football.
0: It's still hard um, to connect Greg Schiano to morale. He
1: he's he works magic in Jersey, though. I mean, and he seems you, to. And the recruiting, I mean, on the recruiting trail too. Like he he transformed that that program. Yeah, better or for worse, um, he has transformed that program. But I think the spread is so large just because Michigan has more talent on the field. I don't think it's almost three touchdowns of a difference um, in talent. But um, I'm going Michigan. They're definitely, um, in my opinion, more of a legit team. Um, And they've been outstanding on defense. Um, They're at home. Um, Rutgers did not manage 200 yards of offense against Syracuse.
0: Syracuse is one of those tricky teams, though. You know, it's they're they're kind of a gross team to play against, and their head coach Dino Babers just always seems to have them competent. They may not win, but they're competent.
1: Competent. I mean, and and for where Rutgers is at right now, that's a good win. Yeah, moving the ball wise and whatnot, it's not really their thing. Um, I don't see how they're uh, they're going to be able to keep pace with Michigan's offense. Um, they've got quorum. Haskins, um, Michigan's rushing attack is pretty balling right now. Um, I also think that, not to steal Josh Pate's uh, whole trademark renaissance season um, here, but I think Michigan's going for a bit of a renaissance here. Um, last year, they were really bad on top yeah. of COVID, and Harbaugh's tenure has, you know, been, has lot, you could say a fair amount of highs, just not against Ohio State. And a fair amount of lows to the point where it's like...
0: Rocky did, at best.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure he took a pay cut to return this year. That's basically saying, yeah, I know I'm not coming back, but I need a salary. And, I mean, 3-0 and start. There's talent in Michigan. You cannot deny that. They they pull big-name, big, big name, top-tier recruits. Rutgers should be a fairly easy win for them. Um, I don't think it's going to be very high-scoring. Um, what is the over-under at right
0: now? 49-and-a-half.
1: I don't see it. I don't see it clipping that. So I'm going Michigan with the under, not covering the spread.
0: All right. So Rutgers is going to or lose by nineteen or sorry, twenty or fewer. Yes. All right. So here's my concern with Michigan. Every time in the last few years they've had a game that should be easy, they make it way more difficult than it should be. You know, they changed
1: last... that with, with with Washington.
0: Yes, but not enough to convince me. At least not yet. And another thing that they've had is they've had a lot of inconsistent quarterback play. So the running game might be, you know, firing on most, if not all cylinders right now, but they're already down their top wide receiver. I don't trust their quarterback situation, even if it is solidified yet, I just haven't seen enough to know for sure it's solidified. So this is maybe kind of a prove it moment to me when it comes to, you know, is Michigan actually, capable of taking a next step. And I mean, of all season Ohio state looks, you know, prime for, for an upset in the big game. You know, they, they look, who are they playing this week? Tulsa. And they barely beat them.
1: Yeah. I will also, uh, and this is why you're, you're going Michigan here.
0: I'm going Michigan, but Rutgers covering the spread.
1: So I think Michigan uh, tying this back in with the Renaissance season, Josh Pate, check him out. Um, Ohio State's already lost, Yeah, and the Big Ten has, you know, you could argue Iowa is a legit team. Penn State is up there right now. We'll see what happens with them. Wisconsin, if they start rolling, you know, I don't think they have the the offensive firepower to to really, like, top that conference, but those are some tough teams up top. But if Michigan can keep rolling at the pace that they're at and get these early games and notch out some wins before they start really diving into Big Ten play – you could argue, just from looking at their schedule, if they even with one loss, they could be that fourth seed playoff team.
0: Well, as hard as this is to remember, sometimes let's let's uh, you know not forget that Rutgers is in the Big Ten, so technically they they are in Big Ten play, Chris. But
1: legit, I said legit Big Ten play.
0: All right, fair enough. Fair now, enough. with
1: that being said, I think that Rutgers does need to be applauded because they were bad a few years ago. Yeah, like really bad, and the fact that they are three and zero. That's a huge step forward on top of they, they've they actually reeled in some in-state talent. And for those of you who don't know, Jersey is a big-time producer of high-level football prospects.
0: Which is always one of the weirdest things for me. To, like, I always forget that. And then when I'm reminded of it, I'm like, that just seems like such an odd place for this.
1: It, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. But you know whatever. It's in the pizza. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So I mean, I think this is going to be a good game, though. Um, but it's in the big house. Um, I've been to a few Rutgers games, and I can tell you that their home – whatever their home field is called is not that bumping. (laughs) The big house is going to be roaring. I would imagine, once again, fuel in the renaissance season. Michigan is kind of embracing that for me, embodying that. Um, The fans are pumped. I think the team's on a roll. Harbaugh realizes, like, holy crap, this might be my best chance in a while. So, also, I mean, we're going to talk about Ohio State – are we segueing into Iowa State at all? No. We're no. not. Um, I mean, we're, we're, quarter- are we going to talk
0: about them against Toledo?
1: No. They they have some quarterback questions, though. Yeah. The Strouds hurt, I believe. So, I, I, you yes. know, I don't know. This is, you have to imagine that those Michigan, the, everyone in that locker room, coaching staff and players, are looking at each other saying, guys, I know it's against Rutgers. We need this win. But if Rutgers does win, do they jump into the top 25? No. You don't think no. so?
0: I think it raises more questions about Michigan than it does answers for Rutgers.
1: they will be four and oh.
0: So if Maryland beats Kent state this weekend, they'll be four and zero, And I don't think they're a top 25 team.
1: I don't know. Those uh, we'll have to, we'll have to see. I think this will be a good game though.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel like it's going to be better than it should be, um, which again comes down to Michigan. When they have a game that should be easy for them, they always make it more difficult than it needs to be. And I think there will be points, you know, I'm taking the over uh, 49 and a half because also I root for fun, but I don't know. I just, I, I, I need to see more from Michigan and also frankly Rutgers for the sake of them taking the next step. I need to see more from both squads to believe that they're you know capable of taking that next step on their respective ladders. You know, Michigan clearly higher up on their ladder than Rutgers is, but this is the kind of game where if Rutgers keeps it close, that might put a little bit more faith in me, depending on how they're playing. You know, if it's an ugly game and the under ends up hitting because just not it's just a gross game where not a lot happens, then I don't know how much I could take from that. But if it's a clean game from both teams, or if Rutgers really makes Michigan uncomfortable, that could be a good sign. Yeah, weird to think about, but a very good sign for them, at least moving forward, not for this year, but for the direction of the program. That can yeah. even, as weird as it sounds, that could be a recruiting tool for Shiano. So, yep. I, and to your point about the other Big Ten teams, I unfortunately, I kind of look at Big Ten football the same way that I do Big Ten basketball when it comes to March Madness. And the conference gets a lot of love during college basketball. And they always, always disappoint during March Madness. And, you know, I see teams like Iowa, I think their football team is very similar, like almost carbon copy the way that their basketball team is, where they are so good at home, but on the road it's a toss-up. You know, I think the fact that they beat Iowa State on the road it's huge, but they're still within the confines of Iowa. So uh, there's a little part of me that wants to hedge that a little bit. Also, Iowa State's not. No, happening. they're no, they're they're not good. Uh, so, something about that program just is not turning to the next level. Brock Purdy really should be better than what he is. Yes. So but either way, like, you know, when they when Iowa has a big road game in the Big Ten, much like I've been commenting on, you know, a couple of spots where Maryland normally puts up a dud, a dud. That's where Iowa puts up their dud. And the same thing happens with Wisconsin. Uh, James Franklin doesn't seem to be the best big game coach. I mean, he he did beat Auburn, but it was closer than I was personally expecting because, you know, you've got the whiteout, you've got home field advantage. You've got Bo Nix, who isn't a particularly great quarterback. So, at Bo Nix for Auburn, that is. Um, so, you know, I thought that game should have been a bigger spread. And granted, maybe Auburn's better than I thought, but again, I don't know enough about them. So, I look at the Big Ten, and it's, it's a lot of hesitation thoughts just because I'm like, but are you really that good? Because I just haven't seen – I mean, we've seen Ohio State turn the corner in terms of getting in the playoffs and, and looking good in the playoffs. But other than Ohio State of years past, they definitely don't look like it this year. What what team can I really, and I mean really put my faith in, in the Big Ten? And Because right now, I don't have an answer.
1: I think that's, you know, to be determined still. I'm just happy to say that as of right now,
0: it's not Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of teams that, you know, were supposed to be better than what they are and so far have not looked the part, Oklahoma. We mentioned Spencer Rattler earlier. He was a Heisman favorite coming into the season. A lot of people thought that he was going to be a part of the Oklahoma quarterback succession train where, you know, it goes, I think it was like Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray to Jalen Hurts. Pretty sure I got the order of that right. Um, But, you know, three really, really good quarterbacks. As much as people may not think Hurts was that good, he was good. Um, but you know, Rattler looked like he was primed to be the next, next one in line and he has not looked the part and largely because of his poor play, they looked, it was scary against Rutgers. I mean, they had an absolute highlight reel interception by a D lineman in the red zone that kept the game at like out of arm's reach for Nebraska. But you're talking about a freakish play to save your team against Nebraska that got worked over pretty well by Illinois to start the season. I, this game where last week I should have taken West Virginia to beat Virginia tech. I mean, I, I, I knew that they were better, but something about it just screamed to me, go against, you know, common thought on that one. I was wrong. Common thought for me normally goes to Oklahoma blowing a team like West Virginia out because they're supposed to be that good. And I've still got OU winning this game, but the spread as of today is at 17, and I've got West Virginia covering that because if Nebraska can keep it close, I mean, West Virginia is definitely a better team than Nebraska, right?
1: Agreed. I think um, I think this is going to be a, a close game, but I'm going to be honest, I, I and it pains me to say this because I'm really not an Oklahoma fan in any way, um, but I'm picking Oklahoma. I think that they probably recognize that, holy crap, we got out of Nebraska by the skin of our teeth – if we need, you know, if we have any real shot of going to the playoffs this year, we need to, to get our act together. Um, Oklahoma is also 8-0 against West Virginia since they joined the Big 12. Not that that really matters. I think it's safe to say every season is totally different in college with such high turnover. Um, interesting, though four of the past five games have been determined by at least 20 points or more. That's probably because Oklahoma likes to put up points that they haven't been able to do this year. Um, Certainly say so. Yeah, Oklahoma has scored 44 points in six consecutive games against West Virginia. I did a little dive on this. Um, So I would imagine that if that ends up happening, there's going to be a lot of not-so-happy West Virginia fans. Um, If West Virginia wins this game, how high do they – Jump. Oh,
0: that's see, that's a tough one for me to answer because it calls back to the and apologies for our listeners. I'm making so many Maryland references during this, but I am a (laughs) Maryland fan.
1: You were at the game.
0: I was at least half of it, Uh, but they they did lose to Maryland, but they beat a Virginia Tech team. Personally, I think Virginia Tech, like I mentioned earlier, was a bit overrated, uh, you know, just because of their their win against Carolina. So this kind of goes to me to what you're saying about the mushy middle beating Oklahoma looks really shiny on paper. But Oklahoma hasn't looked like a shiny team so far this year. So the, the truth of it is, you know. If I don't think Maryland's a top 25 team, granted, Maryland has not played a team the caliber of Oklahoma yet, or at least the supposed caliber of Oklahoma, you know, I, I don't know. And it's one of those, you know, obviously week to week, things are different. And it was the first game of the season for West Virginia where they lost. But I, I want to be able to give an answer because, you know, hey, we're doing a podcast. We're supposed to be able to give our takes. And depending on what goes on in the rest of college football, I really can't say that that I know because for once, this seems like the, the season that has the most unpredictability to it so I I really I I want to have an answer but I don't have an answer and it's kind of killing me to say that but you brought up a couple fun facts I've got one for you which makes me think that West Virginia has a real shot in this game West Virginia or Oklahoma only beat Tulane by five in Norman Mm -hmm. they came really close to losing that game now Tulane By comparison, and I do think there is a certain power in looking good, and they had easily the sweetest throwback helmets of all time last weekend.
1: Is that like a Martian? Whatever that thing is.
0: I have no clue. That's pretty cool. It it
1: looks really cool.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, But they got absolutely boat raced by Ole Miss. And by all accounts, Ole Miss is currently ranked like 13th, and Oklahoma's ranked third. Your third-ranked team in the country – Right now, or sorry, AP poll, they're ranked fourth. But your fourth-ranked team in the country almost got jobbed by Tulane, and now you've got your 13 team looking way, way better than that. I mean, to me, this screams that Oklahoma's up there just on reputation alone.
1: They they have not been good. I will say I don't know how Oklahoma did not drop at all. I know they won against Nebraska, but they did not look good. No,
0: no, they really Um, didn't.
1: Yeah, I mean reputation, money. Uh, also, like on a side note, I know I'm picking Oklahoma, so I'm, I'm sounding very, uh, you know, contradictory here. But I'm not an Oklahoma fan. Um, really not a big fan of how they run their program. Can we just talk about how if they're struggling like this this year, wait till they get thrown to the FCC.
0: Uh, we we already talked about that a little <laughs> earlier, right? I mean, good lord, they're gonna get eaten alive. If, Maybe if not turn every week,
1: but I just, I mean, I was, it's kind of like making that jump from, from JV to varsity where you're like, oh, you know, I could hang at the JV level. And then you, oh my gosh, I'm playing against guys that are 50 pounds, 60 pounds heavier than me.
0: I think that Nick Saban will have a field day slapping them around and reminding them, you might be in my conference, but you are not on my level. Yeah. <laughs> so... Now, here's the other thing, just to play a little devil's advocate. West Virginia did try to lose against Virginia Tech. They, they let them back in that game. And for me, that's kind of the determining factor is why I don't have them winning. But like you said, I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, last week, I took Oklahoma-Nebraska on the over because I thought that Oklahoma could put up a lot of points, and they didn't. So this week, I am doing a little bit of an overreaction or overcorrection. I am taking the under Because it is set at 56. And I think that this game has the potential just to look pretty ugly on the field. You know, I I don't think that unless some things have really been smoothed over for both teams, because Daggy for West Virginia is also an absolute wild card at quarterback. You never know whether you're gonna get good Daggy or bad Daggy. And it's not one game to the next where you don't know, it's one play to the next one with him. You just you never know. And Spencer Rattler is kind of looking similar. So I'll take Oklahoma winning because they're at home, but West Virginia definitely keeps it close and covers not a lot of points.
1: I'm going Oklahoma. I'm going to go over. I think I think really, teams, yeah, I think both teams are going to put up some points. I think Oklahoma knows that they got to get their their ish together. Um, Again, that genuinely surprises me. I don't think they're going to cover Oklahoma or West Virginia. Oklahoma so there's there's this education part you can see okay. that in red
0: yeah because um, for several since I said West Virginia was going to cover I thought for some reason you were saying that West Virginia wasn't going to cover and that would have really surprised me
1: yeah no so Oklahoma definitely Oklahoma going with the over boom
0: all right now in our last FBS game of the week I've got to make it make sense to Sean game because we've got Mississippi State and LSU LSU has not looked good. They lost to UCLA, who again lost to Fresno State. So you kind of do that. What is it, the Pythagorean theorem where it's like A plus B equals C or something? I, I don't know. Um, or transitive property or something. I don't know. I'm trying to be smart and I'm not a smart man. But
1: education is the theme <laughs> of this. It's the theme of this podcast.
0: I speak good Englishes. So you got LSU who is on the road, and they're two and a half point favorites against a Mississippi State team, which, speaking of getting job, like I mentioned earlier, Mississippi State got jobs against Memphis because of that, uh, The I think it was like a punt that a Mississippi State player, he like half downed, half didn't, but everybody knew what his intent was. And it was clear that like the only thing he didn't do to finish off downing the ball was pick it up. But Memphis takes that, runs it back to the house because Mississippi State, has no clue that the ball's like even live and it just doesn't make any sense to them. And Memphis goes on to win a game that had that hap- had that not happened, I get, I'm pretty confident in saying Mississippi state would have won. Uh, Mississippi state also waxed a North Carolina state team in Starkville that I think North Carolina state's probably on about the same level as LSU because LSU right now just does not look well coached, well-prepared. Uh, it, it's kind of signaling to me that as much as I love Coach O down about Baton Rouge, that maybe Joe Brady, who was his offensive coordinator that year, now the offensive coordinator in Carolina, I get the feeling that maybe you know he was more so a part of what was going on there as opposed to Coach O, uh, especially with how explosive that offense was. Also Joe Burrow, who once again looks like the truth in the NFL. This game to me, on paper, it's an upset, but I feel like Mississippi State should be favored. So I've got them obviously covering a two and a half point spread. I've got them taking the money line win. And even though LSU does struggle to put up points, this one, this is kind of a, I root for fun sort of thing, but also I just see this game having points. So I'm going to take the over 55 and a half just because Mike Leach of all people knows how to put up points. Maybe LSU starts to get their offense back together, but I think Mississippi State comes out really pissed off after what happened last week, and they kind of put a statement win over the Tigers to kind of write their ship. Uh, I'm getting a feeling based on our spreadsheet here that you're on the same page as me.
1: I am. You said Mike Leach, and I was, I was sold. So for, the, for those of you who – well, so Mike Leach is a personality. All right, You should definitely look into him. He teaches law classes, or he did it when he was at Wazoo. I would imagine he's probably doing the same at mississippi state he's really big in geronimo was it law? Um,
0: i thought he was teaching like almost like a like a art of war like a history of war class because that seems something that's right up mike leach's alley
1: he teaches that he has a law degree that's what it is
0: wow that's really surprising yeah
1: so <laughs> yeah um you know he walked to work he's he's a personality definitely a guy I, he's written a few books really into geronimo look you know definitely a guy you should dive into um He runs the air raid, which is relatively new in the SEC. You know, you could say they they see the the spread and whatnot um, enough. So maybe their defenses are enough, you know, skilled enough to be able to to deal with that. That doesn't always produce wins, but it does, for the most part, always produce seven, eight, nine, in the occasional 10 win season. It also produces
0: a lot of entertainment.
1: Yeah, a ton of entertainment. And occasionally, I shouldn't even say occasionally, about once a year, because these defenses are not used to dealing with the air raid, um, Mike Leach's teams almost always have a fairly solid upset. And now whether or not you consider LSU, you know, a really an upset for Mississippi State, I don't know. Um, But I think that, you know, Leach is starting to get some traction um, down there. Last year was his first year, obviously COVID, weird year. Um, I just don't see... Max Johnson being able to air it out. Will Rogers is, you know, I would definitely say of all the the air raid quarterbacks that Mike Leach has had, Rogers is definitely probably towards the bottom of running that offense. I mean, he, they're not putting up the amount of points you look. You look at his old Texas Tech teams, or when he was in Kentucky, or Graham when he Harrell. was out in Wazoo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Graham Harrell or um
0: Gardner Minshew,
1: Gardner Minshew. I mean, they, they ball out. They absolutely ball out. Um, I, I would agree that they don't have, LSU does not have Joe Brady. They don't have Burrow. Max Johnson is not a type of, I mean, he models after his dad. He's not the type of gu- gunslinger that can keep up with the air raid. I just don't see LSU um, being having the offensive firepower to keep, to keep up with Mississippi State. So, and I'm picking Mike Leach because he's always for a good for one upset a year, um, which one of these years, I wonder if it'll be Alabama. Could be. I don't, know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think right thing... now, if,
0: if if there's an SEC team other than Georgia primed to like truly upset Alabama, I'm actually leaning a little more Ole Miss. I think that's the sexy pick. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe I'm just caught by the glitz and glamour of, of the uh, the running the big, and, the, the uh, uh, running rebels, <laughs> blue helmets.
1: The blue helmets, oof, they are they are good looking. Also, on a total side note, because we are filming the, or filming and recording this during Panthers game, and you mentioned Joe Brady, C-Max out.
0: Oh, I didn't catch that. I've been watching this game. And if I've been noticing anything, DJ Moore looks really good.
1: Yeah, he uh, C-Mac out with a hamstring injury, probably for the game, if not longer. Dude cannot stay healthy.
0: No, that's brutal. And and he was my number one overall draft pick in fantasy last year. I was glad I didn't have the number one pick again this year because I would not have wanted to risk making that that same call again this year. And it seems to have, unfortunately, worked out.
1: He's so good, but... Mm.
0: yeah Just can't stay healthy so getting back to it uh it's pretty clear that we both have mississippi state winning the game uh do you have uh mississippi state obviously you've got them covering the spread because they're you know they are they're underdogs which it still sounds weird for me to say that where are you at on the uh the over under 55 and a half
1: i'm going over but mainly because mississippi state
0: i feel the same way so let's wrap up as we do every week with our fcs game of the week I uh, had a few different options that I could pick from this week. Uh, Chris, thankfully, uh, not thankfully, but graciously lets me pick pick the games. Uh, but, you know, we both dive into it. And wow, I feel really bad. I said, thankfully, that is not a- um, applicable at all. But oh, well. Uh, but, you know, I, I picked the game. Uh, we both dive into it. This week, we've got Sam Houston State going against Central Arkansas. Uh, Sam Houston State, by most accounts, is the number one overall team in the FCS. Uh, Central Arkansas is just cracking the FCS top twenty-five. Chris, do you see an upset in the future here?
1: I do not. I think that um, so Sam Houston State really hasn't has struggled to get over the hump past few years. They did this past year, obviously in the COVID realm. And comparing this to hockey, you could say the same. It's almost like a parallel with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They finally got the monkey off their back. They won a championship. They came back the following year, um, still impacted by COVID, but they had a relatively normal season. Um, and they wanted to prove that they were legit, that they could hang for the you know a legitimate season. Um, and I just think Sam Houston has a chip on their, their shoulder, um, and I'm yeah I'm running with that.
0: So Central Arkansas is coming into this game one and two. Sam Houston's undefeated at two and zero. Uh, Sam Houston State is putting up a lot more points right now, 47 points a game to Central Arkansas 33 points a game. But what's sticking out to me here as to why I'm going to take Sam Houston State in a blowout is the fact that their offense looks incredibly balanced. I mean, right now they average more rush yards than they do pass yards, which in today's day and age is really surprising, but they're averaging 266 pass yards a game. 292 on the ground so Central Arkansas their passing game from all accounts looks lethal but by comparison they can't run the ball I mean they've got you know about 323 average in the air but only 97 on the ground I mean that that's tough so game of the week because this is a top 25 matchup but also game of the week because this is going to be one of those games for Sam Houston State to start building their momentum to the postseason to say you know okay, you bring us your top twenty-five team, and we won't just beat them; we'll beat them down. So, I, we're we're both on the same page of that, right?
1: Yeah, chip on the shoulder, trying to actually prove themselves. They got the ring when it, some people would say there's an asterisk next to it, so trying to trying to fulfill that prophecy during a normal year.
0: Yeah, it right now to, from everything I've seen, it looks like a three-person or three-team race at the top of the FCS between North Dakota State uh, JMU and Sam Houston state. So really interesting to see how that's going to play out this year.
1: Oh, pains me. The JMU's in that bubble, but yeah, Uh, you're
0: preaching to the choir over here, buddy. Um, but speak, speaking of, you know, three team race, I will say for those who are kind of interested in, in this little FCS chat that we're doing next weekend, looks like there is a hell of a game on board. Because we've got the North Dakota, as I'm going to dub it, the North Dakota Donnybrook with North Dakota State playing North Dakota. And, you know, Chris and I walking out of the North Dakota State Towson game, we were kind of talking about it, uh, throwing out some things, you know, like we couldn't remember if, you know, North Dakota or North Dakota State was the biggest school uh, in the state. I was saying that, you know, if you're growing up in North Dakota, it's almost becoming like a cultural, like significant thing to be recruited to North Dakota state football, especially, you know, if if you're, if you're like an offensive lineman for them, uh, you're definitely, you're way too big to play hockey, but North Dakota's football team, or North Dakota university, not NDSU, doesn't look like the kind of team to take lightly. So if I can, I'm definitely going to find a way to stream that game because that one looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, but we'll touch more on that next week. Uh, So, you know, for everyone who's been listening, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, make sure to follow the Average Sean podcast. Also our uh, other social media. So got a blog up. We're on Twitter uh, at Average Sean Media. Facebook at Average on Media. Uh, the blog is through Blogspot, Average Sean Media there. Super repetitive, but hey, you know, I figured I'd keep it simple. So thanks again for everyone. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Enjoy the weekend of college football. Uh, and as you've seen on my, or as you will have seen on my blog, make sure next week to take advantage of your Wednesday because I was running on fumes this week. Wednesday really gave me a chance to, to kind of gear back up for this weekend. And you know, when you when you have the chance, make sure you take it. So have a good weekend, everyone. We'll see you next time.